Instagram unveiling some new tools today to help kids and parents better manage and navigate these social media sites. Here's David Shipley, our cybersecurity expert. He joins us now for more on this on Global News Radio. David, good afternoon. Good afternoon. All right. First off, uh, just exactly what are these new tools that Instagram has rolled out? So the first phase of tools are notifications to be delivered to um, underage users, children, teenagers, et cetera, when they've been on the platform too long, encouraging them to take a break, disconnect, et cetera. And uh, Facebook or Meta, as it's now called, is also promising to unveil additional tools uh, by the end of March related to parental control, how much time, access to the app, et cetera, uh, to help limit uh, how much time kids are spent exposed to content on Instagram. Okay. How much time is too much time? How did they figure that out? Well, it's interesting. Uh, and, and I think that they know from their algorithms, and we certainly know from Francis Haugen's testimony, that they know that their service is highly addictive for teenagers. And so my guess is it'll be something in the hours range uh, that, hey, like if you've been on this for nonstop a couple of hours, probably good to take a break. Um, and it's a good start. Uh, but it's it's a shame that it's it it took a public shaming to get them where the, to where they need to be. And arguably, it's the start. It is not the be all to end all of the changes they need to make to reduce the harm their platform is causing uh, children and teenagers, particularly teenage girls. Well, that's why I was wondering uh, how much time is too much time. And is Instagram, Facebook, uh, Meta, of course, Instagram is uh, owned by uh, Facebook, as uh, many people know. But are they the ones really to determine how much time is uh, too much time? Well, exactly. I mean, they're still motivated by their revenue bias. Remember, um, Instagram is not provided as a public service from the goodness of Facebook's heart. It's designed to help sell products and services and gather data. So they're trying to walk a line where they can mollify the public outrage over the harms they've caused while still making billions upon billions of dollars every quarter, uh, potentially off of the harm to kids. I mean, um, this is like telling the, uh, the the person that's been pushing tobacco on your kids, you'd be like, don't worry, I'm going to push a few less packs a day. You can trust me. Yeah. Now you've been on this file for some time, David. We've talked about this uh, time and time again. And uh, tell us uh, again uh, about the dangers of social media. You've been warning us about the dangers of social media and things like uh, Instagram. Are these tools you mentioned, it's a good start. Are these tools, are they enough to remedy the situation, do you think? I, I don't think so. I, I, I think they're a start and it's better than what we've had before. And certainly the ability to bring in parental controls is great, but we're still relying on these companies fundamentally to do the right thing when where they've been shown they only do kind of the right thing after they've been massively embarrassed and after their own documents show they've caused a lot of harm. So when we talk about the importance of regulation for these companies, given the huge amount of power that they have, this is where giving a mandate to a public regulator for things like algorithmic transparency. Well, what kind of content are kids being presented? How often? How are you determining what they're seeing? How are you measuring the potential harm caused to specific groups? Um, because we know they have the data. So this is where having someone to keep tabs on uh, Meta or Facebook or Instagram uh, is really important because we've already been shown multiple times now we can't trust them to do the right thing over the long term on their own. 
Joined by David Shipley, cybersecurity expert. David, on this uh, Tuesday afternoon, also wanted to ask you about ransomware once again, because the Canadian Spy Agency says that they are trying to, quote, impose a cost on foreign entities, uh, hackers who engage in ransomware. Just exactly how are they doing this? How are they trying to impose a cost? Well, this is this is David's Christmas gift come early because uh, I've been on your show uh, multiple times talking about exactly the need to do this. We've known that CSE has the mandate to hack back against foreign attackers for some time, whether they be nation states or criminal groups. What we have never received from the federal government until yesterday was a public statement that we're doing it. And, and why is that valuable? Why is it just them working quietly away valuable enough? Because while hitting them back and destroying their criminal infrastructure or like doing what the FBI did, stealing their money back from them is useful to put the hurt on them. Telling other criminal groups that we will do this and we won't rest until we hit you back is a deterrence component that has been massively lacking from Canada's response to ransomware, uh, particularly notable given the American response to, uh, to ransomware. Okay, so will this make a difference, do you think, David? I mean, is this the ultimate solution? And if not, if... Is it at least a step in the right direction? It's a step in the right direction. In the short term, we're seeing a global effort to go after the ransomware gangs, and it's going to get the dumbest of the dumb. You know, this is very Darwinian. They're going to catch the uh, the folks who are the affiliates, who have poor security, who are in jurisdictions committing crimes that they can actually be extradited. It's gonna it's gonna get the chuckleheads of the group, um, but the sophisticated folks sitting behind. Uh, the digital Iron Curtain in Russia, um, they're untouchable and they're the ones who are still making the vast majority of the money or North Korea or now Iran actually has been caught attacking hospitals with ransomware. Um, That's going to take a different kind of nation state proportional response. But just ending the Wild West free-for-all that has been the last five years of ransomware and just the egregious harms it's caused you know, taking down entire Canadian healthcare systems, uh, that's a win. I'm going to take it because I need something to win in 2021, just like everybody else in year two of the pandemic. Um, but we're not out of the ransomware woods yet. All right. That was my very next uh, question, because I guess you can file this uh, action by the Canadian spy agency trying to impose a cost on foreign hackers under better late than never. But having said that, just how much of a problem, how much bigger of a problem is ransomware set to become in 2022, do you think? I think we'll see for the first half of the year, the impact of all of these efforts to go after the gangs is going to slow it down. I mean, we saw a 350% increase year over year so far in 2021. So I'm hoping that Santa Claus delivers me another gift that we do get a slowdown. Um, And then we will see the more entrenched ones. They're going to come back and they're going to get more vicious because unfortunately, a lot of organizations paid a lot of money. And we're talking hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in criminal gains. So they'll be back uh, and they'll be more vicious than before. Hopefully we'll be ready and particularly critical sectors. And and, and, and my last minute or so here with you is my appeal to Ottawa is this, draw a line in the sand and say, you attack a hospital, we're coming after you and defend our hospitals. Private sector businesses is one thing. Supply change is one thing. But the fact that chemo patients in Canada this year did not get their treatments on time because of criminal gangs needs to stop. And that needs to be a message from the top. We had a great message from the ministers published on the uh, Canadian security establishment website. We need the prime minister to say 2020, 22, all bets are off. You come after our hospitals. We're coming after you. 
All right. Good stuff. David Shipley, appreciate it as always. Thanks so much. You're always welcome. Cheers. David Shipley is our cybersecurity expert. We're back after this on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.